So hey there, welcome back. Hey, it's Josh. Welcome back to the Accelerated Investor Podcast. Uh, today, I have another fantastic show for you. Uh, today, I'm interviewing Matt Brauner. Uh, Matt is a multifamily investor from the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, Minnesota market. Uh, Matt currently owns over 2,000 doors in multiple states. And his company, Norwoods Servicing, manages over 250 units that he owns in his backyard in the Twin Cities. Uh, Matt, in March of 2018, became the first of their six partners in his firm to quit his full-time day job in order to work in the company full-time. Matt invests not only in the Twin Cities, but also in multiple markets across the country. And so in this interview, I'm excited that you're going to hear, number one, about Matt and why he invests for impact and not for wealth. Number two, you're also going to hear about Matt's business plan that fulfills his passion for faith, family, finances, but again, primarily for impact, not for wealth building. Matt doesn't care about how many units he owns. Uh, In this interview, you're going to hear about, again, how Matt focuses on impact, not wealth, not units, but impact. And you're also going to hear number three about Matt's plan for virtual team building and how he invests in other virtual markets and builds his team around the asset. And finally, number four, you're going to hear why Matt invests in people and not necessarily in property data. Matt does not chase markets. He does not chase property data. What Matt does is he chases relationships that can take him into a new market. And from there, he builds the team, builds the foundation around the people that allows him to operate in multiple markets across the country. So I think you're going to love this interview on the Accelerated Investor Podcast with me and Matt Bronner. Check it out. Welcome to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you're looking to retire early with forever passive income, you're in the right place. This podcast is the go-to destination for real estate investors, both active and passive, and multifamily apartment investors, both new, intermediate, and advanced. Now, sit back, listen, learn, and accelerate your business, your life, and your investing with the Accelerated Investor Podcast. So Matt, listen, been looking forward to having you on Accelerated Investor. Anytime I can talk to another uh, investor, apartment owner, syndicator that's got a couple thousand doors, love to trade war stories. So thank you so much for joining me today on Accelerated Investor. Absolutely, Josh. Thanks for the opportunity. Fantastic. So Matt, let's start with, uh, talk about some things you're working on right now. Maybe a deal, a syndication, a raise, property management, a horror story, whatever it is. Tell me something that you're working on right now, like this week, today, this month, that you're really excited about doing in your business. Sure. When you're in real estate, the tenant horror stories tend to become just like your day-to-day stories. So sometimes they bleed too far and you'll have to give me a minute to remember some of the good ones. But (laughs) we're really coming out of an interesting time 
COVID has been obviously very traumatic and something that's impacted people in different ways. For our business, we came out of this past year where we were blessed to be able to grow uh, significantly. And I think that's because a lot of the latent strategies that we had in leads that we had been nurturing, a couple of off-market deals came to fruition. Um, there was our largest acquisition, uh, 122 units in uh, Midtown Memphis was brought to us because it was part of a larger portfolio, $35 million deal that fell apart during the early stages of COVID when the, we all thought the world was going to end sure. and all the lenders were backing away. Uh, so uh, it's been kind of an interesting time for me to reflect back and think, oh gosh, I, I really owe a lot of my business to taking advantage of when people um, are skittish and backing away. What's the old Warren Buffett adage? When yeah. people get scared, that's when I get greedy. When people get greedy, that's when I get scared. And so we really bet on the fundamentals of multifamily and dove in. And it's been actually because of that 122 units, we're actually under, um, we've got an LOI accepted on another property just in the same area there. So um, it's going to be another significant deal for us, uh, 100 units plus commercial. And then I've got 54 units here in the Twin Cities that's set to close before the end of April, working through the last pieces of our financing package. So staying busy. Nice, nice. So Matt, one of the questions I get, which you guys probably get all the time is, um, so you guys are buying apartments. Aren't, aren't people not paying their rent because all the popular news, all they talk about is the eviction moratoriums and the foreclosure moratoriums and all the stimulus money that's coming out. Biden just signed this $1.9 trillion stimulus. Uh, it's unfortunate. Most of that is not going to the average American, but some of it is going to real estate uh, operators you know, to help pay rents for tenants and things like that. But how has your portfolio performed over the last year or so? Uh, you're obviously in the trenches, not listening to the popular news. You're looking at your financials uh, on how uh, how things have performed. Frankly, for us, our collections are way high, way higher than we thought. And we've stabilized pretty well. Talk a little bit about that. You know, it's really interesting because there was a period of time in early March where I did have a fear of, Hmm, I wonder yeah. if we're going to have 20 to 30% of tenants not pay right now. So I, I won't pretend and say, oh, I always knew it would be great. And we got really offensive. So we started uh, educating our tenants on why you really need to pay rent, we're trying to combat this idea that the landlord is getting rich off yeah. of this. So we found some great videos that talked about, hey, when you give $1 in rent, what does that do? Here's the money that goes to the property taxes to pay for your kid's school, that pays for emergency services, that pays to take care of the property, reinforcing this idea that it is very, very important that you continue to pay rent. We, like you, have done fairly well. I would say that our collections are probably about 2% off from where they were, you know, 200 basis points is what I would say. And as I describe that, and I'm really grateful for my property management company here because it's given me kind of in-depth insight into this. We don't have a wider problem. We have a deeper problem. So in other words, the same people that were paying rent before COVID are paying rent now. The same people who weren't paying rent before COVID of the same people who aren't paying rent now. Right. And we're seeing that move to bad debt on the books because right now we can't move them. So a lot of the people who wouldn't pay rent, you'd file on them, they'd move somewhere else, not pay rent there until they got filed on and they would just kind of move around from spot to spot. Well, right now they're all in one place. So you are seeing that grow, uh, but we've been very grateful that our tenants continue to prioritize paying the rent. And we have continued to stay offensive in terms of, hey, here's why. And we've worked with every single tenant who came to us and said, hey, I lost my job because of COVID. We're waiving late fees, doing payment plans. 
tenants. You know, yes, we're running a business, but I don't want people to lose their home. For a lot of tenants who maybe live in a C-class building, that rent bill is the largest bill they pay every month. So you get behind on rent, man, it gets really hard to get caught back up. And I want you to have a nice, stable home for you and your family. So let's let's come up with a plan uh, that we can stick to there. And then I would just encourage people, it seems to apply to all areas of the news, but if you really dig into the COVID data, and yes, please don't get upset with me and send me nasty emails. I know that a majority of the population lives in California and New York, yeah. but there is a whole, there's 48 other states out there. And it's just mind boggling. If you set aside the unemployment in California and New York, in the grand scheme of things, we're at record low unemployment across the rest of the country. We are seeing tenants continue to pay rent. So uh, history continues to repeat itself where you know, we have news outlets that are focused on the extremes of the coastal markets. And yes, you are seeing San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, um, all those entry markets really struggle. But there are other markets for example, one of the reasons that we're in Memphis, and we've been blessed to see our, our business case proved out here. We got really excited about Memphis because we said, hey, this is a distribution hub. FedEx is here. It's the second largest port in right. the country. As e-commerce grows, there is going to be a need for that. And that means more people with jobs. And that's what we do with apartments, right? I need people moving in that can pay rent. That means I need people that pay jobs, or excuse me, that I need people that have jobs. And we've seen that. Memphis saw 5.2% rental lift last quarter right? Because people are home. They're still ordering things online. That means FedEx is running even more planes through it. And our property manager jokes, if you want a job in Memphis paying you 20 bucks an hour, just raise your hand. Yeah, love it. And it's easy to pay rent when you're making 20 bucks an hour. That's good stuff, man. So um, tell me a little bit more about your specific investment strategy, meaning you buy C-Class, you mentioned that, and then tell me about the rest of it. You're syndicating them out. What are kind of your GPLP type of splits? Um, are you doing some of the day-to-day operations, property management, or CapEx yourself? Or like a lot of my friends, are you kind of you know building the team and letting everybody kind of run their different pieces of it? Obviously, you guys are in the Twin Cities. You have deals in Memphis, not exactly your backyard. So you've got to have a team to be able to manage that virtually in a different location. Tell me a little bit more about your business model and how it's worked for you. Sure. And it's all across the board. And the business model is really a tale of how we moved from single family with that mindset, like, oh, the only thing you can do in real estate is just to buy more single family homes. So then as we got into multifamily property management was a way to pay ourselves. We don't do a whole lot of fee management. There's a few clients. We really only manage what we own here in the Twin Cities. And our strategies are specific to the market. Here in the Twin Cities, we've seen the population grow by 12% since 2010. The housing stock has only increased 6%. There's just not Mm -hmm. enough places for people to live. And, And then if you look back at periods of apartment construction, there actually just weren't a whole lot of apartments built in the 60s and 70s. So you have a constrained amount of supply. But then when you look at the cost to build new in the Twin Cities, if you're cutting every corner, you're not doing it for under 175 a door. Well, that means then that you have a pool of people who needs to live in C-class housing, good, honest, hardworking people. And we want to provide them with a place to live, but that pool grows in the apartments that they need. You can't build new C-class housing. And we really like that because you tend to stay below the $10 million level. So you can get away from any REITs or any of the professional folks uh, out on Wall Street. 
And you find here a lot of mom and pop owners who maybe they don't understand what they have. They've just owned it for 15 to 20 years and they haven't put the energy into it to increase rents. I don't like to go older than 1960 because then you get into some of the, oh my God, Mm-hmm. renovation scenarios with a whole lot of lead and asbestos. So, and you still can find some around there, but the the construction was really intuitive. Like you see bathrooms that are stacked on top of another. Well, that's really good. Cause that means if I have one bathroom leaking, it's not leaking into somebody else's living room. It's leaking into right. another bathroom. Super easy to find that reduces my repair and maintenance budget. Uh, down South, we are really focused on MSAs of 300,000 or more. Um, Mm -hmm. as we get into larger property types, you know, we really are looking for a hundred units plus so that we can support on-site management there with some of the cost differences. We are pushing to get into more B-class housing. I like B-class because in good times, tenants from C-class properties can move up to B-class and in bad times people can move in, uh, or step down from, an A-class property there. Uh, and we've continued just to follow where we've had relationships. I would love to tell you that I'm so right. smart that I could tell you that the Mid-South and Memphis was where you wanted to be, but that's just not right. the case. We went there because of a relationship. We got to know the market. We found a source of truth in our property management company, and that's enabled us to build a business. We do take on equity partners. We invest in all of our own deals here in the Twin Cities. For a large part of the portfolio, we'll also manage that. Of course, that's all disclosed. Uh, The equity in terms of how that's all structured, um, that's always super dependent on a deal. Our most recent deal was a really large lift. So we structured in some preferred equity so that people could see some some routine cash flow there. Now, of course, those investors are out once we complete a refi and you have different Mm -hmm. splits for those that wanted to participate more uh, in the upside there. But we, we are looking to be able to offer a preferred return to attract more sophisticated investors there. Um, so I think terms that people would be familiar with, but always dependent on the deal. Yeah, I love it, Matt. Great, great uh, description there. I appreciate that. In my newest real estate investing book, The Flip System, you'll learn the proven secrets and strategies that I've used to be a successful real estate investor. You'll also hear the story of my journey from quitting my job to doing over 2,000 units of apartments. The Flip System is now available for a limited time, and you can grab your free copy at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. You'll learn the same proven principles and secrets and investing strategies that I used to quit my job and pursue a life of financial freedom. In this book, I'm sharing exactly how I was able to personally close over 750 profitable real estate deals, make over 400 private lender loans, raise over $30 million, and acquire over 2,000 units of cash-flowing apartments. Get my newest book now for free at getflipsystem.com slash podcast. That's getflipsystem.com slash podcast. What I'd like to know is, you know, everybody that's gotten into multifamily, I don't know really anybody that regrets it, but getting into it, they're always like, I regret not doing it sooner, right? They don't regret getting into it. They just regret how long it took to get in. Coming from, I'm a former uh, single family investor, did thousand flips, ran a private equity fund, funded about 500 deals as a private lender, got into multifamily. Again, my only regret is I didn't get into multifamily and apartments sooner. 
tell me about that for you. Coming from the single family space, you got into multifamily more as a manager. What was that like when you made that transition, allowing yourself to earn some fees in order to get into multifamily and basically kind of earn as you're learning and then your first purchase? So tell me about the transition for you. Sure. And we've always managed what we owned, right? So our first property that we managed in multifamily, we owned that property. Mm -hmm. The first time somebody brought us an apartment deal, it blew our minds. Because again, we were so singularly focused. Like all you can do in real estate is just buy more townhomes, right? And we're blessed. They've been great investments for us. We still have them. But um, as we started then to look, and there are a couple of deals that come through along the way. Um, First is your ability to reposition an asset based on improving the business, right? Like you can do a great job with your single family homes, but if you've got foreclosures down the street from you, doesn't matter how well you're doing collecting rent and keeping expenses down. And so it it just totally transformed our thinking. We saw more options. And like a lot of people, um, (laughs) we didn't spend a whole lot of time regretting. Like we did wish we'd done it sooner, but it's, hey, we want to pivot to this because it was seeing the options, whether the first time we bought a, a 64 unit that was half vacant, sad deals owned by a widow. She was using half the units for storage, didn't really understand what she had. We were mm-hmm. able to barely get the thing closed. But then 18 months later, we did a, a full refinance plus 30%. And we were able to put it on good 10-year fixed rate debt with Freddie. And it's been a wonderful property nice. for us ever since. But then one of the things that also sticks out in my mind, and it also comes into, I think, the risk mitigation and just the, the benefits. It, we don't get excited about more units in multifamily just to be bigger for bigger sake. But what you do see is things tend to smooth out more. Mm-hmm. And there's one example. I remember the first, it was a 12-unit apartment that we had. The first turn, I only had one maintenance guy at the time, and I was walking him through what I wanted him to do in the turn. And this was like a 750-square-foot apartment, and the previous tenant had been really rough on it. And my whole background is single-family homes, right, where it's like, oh, man, this thing's going to be down for like two to three weeks. I'm going to be eating two to three months of rent here to get it in. And I walk him through everything that we need to do. And he calls me the next week and he's like, Hey, I'm done. You can come check yeah. it out. Yeah. And it's like, Oh wow. When I limit the damage that can be done here, it's not the same as a 2000 square foot home where I could come out of this with a turn bill that, that's going to approach $5,000. You're able to do so quickly. And you know what? That 12 unit, yeah, it stunk to have the one down, but there were still 11 other tenants paying me rent the whole time. So that was really the first time it hit home, just the efficiency of the operations within multifamily and how that plays into the risk mitigation part there. And then we've just been able to extrapolate off of that as we built our portfolio. Yeah. And it sounds like based on some comments that you made, Matt, that now focusing on those hundred units and larger buildings is probably the result of lessons that you learned on some of the smaller buildings where maybe you didn't have the economies of scale. They weren't large enough to have an onsite property manager. They weren't large enough to have a full-time maintenance guy. They weren't large enough to have a full CapEx team. Uh, we built our model around 200 units at a pop. So in any market that we enter, we gotta be very certain that we're gonna be able to at least own 200 units at some point. We Mm -hmm. might buy a 54 unit or 108 unit today, but Mm -hmm. we know that our economies of scale works with 200 Mm -hmm. units where we can, we have a budget of about $80,000 for property managers, which means about two or one and a half property Mm -hmm. managers for those 200 units. We can have Mm -hmm. two, Full-time maintenance guys, we got about an $80,000 budget for those 200 units for maintenance guys. So it could be two, possibly two and a half or even three maintenance guys, depending on how much money they make. 
Um, you know, you could have on-site, our own internal or off-site property management. The deal's big enough that a lot of the big boy property managers, once we stabilize it, we could turn over the property management to somebody else. So mm-hmm. you've probably learned a lot, of, a lot of those same lessons. It sounds like the 100 units is your minimum. So what was it for you about those smaller buildings that said, my scale's at 100 units or my scale's at a certain number and I really want to scale up and only buy these larger buildings? Sure. And I would say it relates to another comment I made, which is the fact that you're in more control of the value with multifamily than you are with single family homes. Single family homes, I'm entirely dependent on the market. Multifamily, the higher the NOI, the higher the value, right? And so you learn to truly operate it as a business. One of the things that people have to learn as they get into real estate, multifamily real estate, the, the only true value of the real estate is the value of the dirt. Everything else is incumbent on how good your manager is sure. because it, it's a business there. Well, then that means good businesses need budgets. They need to be able to um, embrace forecasting, right? So that I have a predictability here. Sophisticated investors are looking for that. And while, you know, I've certainly, I've started out buying the 10 units, 12 units, and I have a part of my portfolio where we'll still look at, you know, the, the 40 to 80 units there, but you just see so much noise on the PL, and there's a lot of variability with the expenses. So you'll see less of that as you scale up, you know, as you get into 100 units, 200 units, I see more predictability in terms of you know, a cost per unit per year that I can build a model and build a budget around. And that's really important. You know, as you start syndicating deals, as you start using other people's money, well, they really care about how you're using their money. They want a return for that. So being able to find a property manager then who can manage to a budget, you need an asset that can be managed to a budget as well. And that's just been my own experience is that you will see enough variability even below 40 units. It's really hard because you can have three or four vacancies at one time and all of a sudden you're 10% vacant at any one moment. And so then you have a hard time um, normalizing that. You have a hard time forecasting that. Um, and then ultimately we talk about all that so that we can build in good predictive returns for our investors. Yeah. I love it, Ned. You know, I found that sometimes in that 20 to 50 unit range is very, it's a lot more of a mom and pop industry And you can find better deals where, like you said, the woman was older. She had half the units that she was using to rent out uh, and the other half were basically vacant. She was storing her own stuff there. That happens in those little deals that allows Mm -hmm. there to be larger spreads and bigger CapEx Mm -hmm. opportunities to create more value and a larger profit. But the downside is, is exactly like you described, is you can't manage to a budget as much Mm -hmm. and you might not be able to have a full-time maintenance guy there because it's too small or a full-time property management there because it's too small. And then you're like, well, who's on site today? You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it creates those problems. So that, but there's, there's the benefit of both. So I, when I, when I work with my students or when I'm working with my own team, we've got to just know what's the benefit of that 20 to 50 unit deal is possibly larger spread, more mm-hmm. mom and pop, but, you know, mm-hmm. 50, 100 units, really for us, it's 200 units in a market. It doesn't have to be in the same complex or the same deal, but in a market. Uh, now we know, we, again, we can work with forecasting. We can forecast how much is it going to cost us for maintenance? What's the management fee going to be? And extrapolate mm-hmm. that out to the employee that fills that seat. Um, mm-hmm. So each size of a building, I guess, has has its own benefits, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Man, I'd love to hear your take on investing. You said you went to these Southern markets because of relationships. We did the same thing where we have buildings Mm -hmm. in four or five, six different States only because of relationships, not because we were seeking a market. 
So I'd mm-hmm. like to hear your take on <clears throat> once you had that relationship and you were able to find one deal, how were you able to round out the rest of the team? Because as we all know, multifamily apartments is really more of a team game. Property manager, CapEx team, a loan sponsor, mm-hmm. syndication, mm-hmm. limited partners, uh, you know, all these people. So a lot of times we'll find one relationship that kind of starts the team. Mm-hmm. How did you work on building out the rest? Sure. So we went there just to delve into a little bit more of our story as a limited partner. And mm-hmm. so we were going to invest in the deal and we wanted to do some of our own due diligence. And I tell my students and other people that I work with that I was a really active passive investor. And so I wanted to go and make sure that I was doing my own due diligence, but I was blessed to have partners along the way who opened up the opportunity for me in terms of letting me tag along, letting me sit into meetings with them and their property manager, letting me go along with them in their due diligence walks. And I'll be forever grateful to them for that because I learned so much by being able just to see how they handled themselves, the questions they asked, what facts did they dig in on? I wouldn't know any of what I know today had I not been willing to make those trips down there. And that's why a lot of times my first piece of advice to people is just to do and to go, right? You're going to learn more Mm -hmm. by talking to a broker. You're going to learn more by walking a complex than you will reading any book. And you got to be, you know, informed, you got to speak the right language, but sometimes we tend to be so reticent and want to stay back there. And it was because of those trips. And I I really delve into it. I got to know a property manager. I got to know the brokers. I would continue to go back down there with those same operators, sometimes to walk deals that I wasn't even investing in, but I knew the other people that would be there. And there's, it's been amazing to me as, as we've been blessed to see our business grow, how much of the old adages prove true, right? Like, what is the phrase? Like 60% of life is just showing up. Like, hey, yeah. the fact that I was willing to get on a plane and come here, I'm not just, you know, pinging you with emails, cold calling you. Like, no, I'm here. I, I want to learn what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that, that put me in a different class in people's mind. And then I just knew people. I had other property managers who were willing to take my call. I remember, um, and please, if you're from California, don't get upset with me what I'm about to say here. But like the property manager I was working with at the time, he's like, I get five calls a week from people from California and it's just noise to me, yeah. right? Because, you know, Yes, we have to be good um, financial stewards. Yes, it's hard to raise money, but just having money doesn't do anything for you in the multifamily. You have to prove yourself a credible buyer. Proving yourself a credible buyer means building a relationship with people. So it was just a really natural transition as I started to operate more because these are people that I'd met. I'd been out to dinner with them. I'd been out to drinks with them. And it's the same thing that you would prove in any other friendship or relationship in your life. Right. Yeah. I love it, Matt. That sounds great. Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. So one of the things that you said was, you know, you invested as a limited partner in order to learn the business, right? Mm -hmm. And just kind of go. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are still hesitant to do that, right? Because like, well, I don't know anything. I'm just going to embarrass myself. I'm going to have an egg on my face. So one of the easy ways to get in is, yes, I've got $50,000 or $100,000 and be a limited partner because general partners are willing to completely pull back the onion on their business plan and how they do it mm-hmm. and why they do it in order to recruit capital, right? So that's, mm-hmm. that's one way to get in the game mm-hmm. and get started. Another way to get mm-hmm. in the game and get started is just through the manual kind of work of calling owners and then more of that mom and pop space, that 15 unit to 50 unit. Um, we've done that. We've worked with wholesalers that gave us a 16 unit, a 54 mm-hmm. unit. We went direct to seller on some of those. That's mm-hmm. a way to get started, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of people are, well, how do I, how do I get started? And again, it's team game, building a team. Um, also, Matt, maybe I'd like to hear your take on, I'm baffled by how many guys that don't have a balance sheet that are horrible at raising money somehow are able to get in with a broker who's got a sweet deal and get that deal under contract because they're able to posture up and talk the game. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh crap, I've got a deal. I got to find a loan sponsor. I've got to find limited partners. And then all of a sudden, because I've been, I've been probably like you, Matt, I've been brought in on deals or people try to bring me in when they're on the two yard line because they've got their final million dollars or two million dollars that they can't raise or they don't have a big enough balance sheet. They're like, oh, my God, I need a, I need a loan sponsor. Right, so right. but I'm baffled by how many people, even though this is a this is a big boy game, right? It's a big boy industry. You don't have to be a big boy out of the gate to just get your get your feet in, right? Stick your nose in there, right? Um, so just talk about that and kind of remove some of the aura, the myth around you have to do a bunch of big multifamily deals to be taken seriously. Sure. Well, I think what you're saying is true, and it's true because there's nothing in life that replaces hustle. So if yeah. you're willing to burn up the phone lines, if you're willing to go and network with brokers and network means press in the flesh. I'm old school in that regard. It's really hard, really, really hard to build credibility in a market. If you're just phone calling it in, sending emails, no, you got to go there. So as I talk to people about markets that they want to invest in, it's really important to look at like, how easy is it to travel? to that market, right? Mm -hmm. I can be in Memphis in 90 minutes on a flight. There's a direct flight there. And that's a big deal. I actually like going there. That's another big deal because then I'm willing to go down and look at future deals there. So you need to ask yourself, you know, how easy is it to get where I'm going uh, and how much would I enjoy going there? Um, And I think you can find other success stories that shows that it's possible. You do not have to be uh, a millionaire to be successful in this, but you still got to work hard. And there's Mm going to be even more people running into apartments right now as we see the $1.9 trillion that's about to get introduced into the economy and even more monetary supply as the Fed continues to buy up. All that means that hard assets is a really good place to be as as inflation inevitably takes hold. And so you can, you just need to be willing to go develop relationships. You need to get educated, but don't get educated to a fault. Um, I, I definitely want people to listen to the Accelerated Investor podcast, but I work with so many people who they've listened to every podcast, they've been to every event, and they've read yeah. every book, but they can count on one hand the number of times they picked up the phone and talked to a broker, Yeah, right? Like you, you have to be willing to be... Um, to learn in the moment. I I talk to folks and I'm actually borrowing this. This is an idea shared um, from other coaches that I've worked with who say they called it their fight club 
idea. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell students a lot of times, if for those of you who haven't, the, the movie Fight Club, the protagonist, Tyler Durden, as they start Fight Club, he tells everyone, hey, I want you to go get in a fight that you're going to lose. Like he wants them to lose because the lesson he wants them to learn is that, you know what? I'm still okay. It wasn't fatal. I can bounce yeah. back. So sometimes yeah. I'll tell students if they're really nervous about getting out there, I'm like, take a market that you'll never do a deal in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I want you to go call brokers and make offers in Albuquerque, New Mexico, yeah. fall all over yourself, but you're going to learn in the moment. And what's the harm? Like, it's like, I want you to learn that you can bounce back from this. So those are just a few of the things that come to mind when you talk about like, what's it take if you're willing to work hard and you're willing to humble yourself in terms of like, this doesn't have to be my deal. I'm going to do whatever I can to partner with people along the way. Then I think you can be successful. Yeah, Matt, that's awesome. Matt, last question. You know, most of the guys that I, that I network with that I'm friends with that are in the multifamily space. There's kind of a moment where they realized that they could be completely financially independent with multifamily. It was a certain number of doors or a certain amount of capital raised or a certain amount of properties that they needed to own, a certain amount of cash flow that needed to create. Uh, you probably had that same epiphany well before you actually had that many units. You knew, they're like, oh my God, it's just a formula. I just got to buy this many units, make this many offers, own this much. It's going to kick off this much cash flow, and I'm completely financially free. And ever since then, you've been working to get to that point or you've already hit that point and beyond. But mm-hmm. what was that like for you when you started to kind of put the puzzle pieces together and you started thinking like, oh my God, this is going to be way easier than I thought. This is going to happen way sooner than I thought. You know, it was interesting because it was about the time that I left my W-2 job. And even though I was blessed to have the portfolio that my partners and I do, um, there, there's still a fear there of leaving what's certain or what society tells you you should be doing. But I've come to appreciate the freedom that comes from being able to see what's in front of you. You know, you can be doing an exemplary job in your W-2 role, but you just happen to be sitting in the wrong seat when there's a restructuring mm-hmm. and then you lose your job. Yes, it's it's clearer now that if, if I don't perform, if we don't perform as operators, that there are going to be financial consequences. But I like that. I think those consequences are there regardless. Here, they're just more salient. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I like the word that you use there. For me, I, I want to be financially uh, independent, um, but you know it really ties into who I am as a person. I, I don't pursue wealth just for the sake of wealth, right? I, I believe that you know money is neither good nor bad. Money's just money. But if wealth is your pure motivation, um, then then I think this is going to be a, a really hard business for you because one, mm-hmm. it's not get rich quick; it's, it's get rich slowly. But I'm doing this because ultimately it was how I wanted to to be a husband to my wife and, and to raise my children. I, I was in a job where we could have had a wonderful life, but I was traveling all the time. I was in an airport every single week and it, I just had to be planted. I had to work, worship, and play all in the same place. And real estate was that gift to me. And it's why I I do what I do because, and I want other people, I help other people, I coach other people uh, because I I want them to understand that same blessing of of being planted um, and and being able uh, to take back their time. Yeah. Love it. Matt, last question. I know I said this with the last question, but this is the last question. What's your favorite way to find deals? There's nothing better than a good commercial broker, right? Yeah. I've I bought deals through direct mail. Uh, I've done wholesalers. Um, I've networked with owners and bought them off market. Uh, but I, I've really come to appreciate in my career, the value 
of a good broker. And so I tell people getting into this industry, you want to align yourself with brokers. Brokers who really know what they're going to do, make it their business to know all the owners in town and what they're going to sell for. And they're not there to market. They're there to help deals close. Uh, I remember the first time we, we really jumped, it was an $8 million deal. And I was talking to my partners like, man, this is taking a long time to come together. I'm like, you know, $8 million of deals don't come off the shelf very easily. This isn't like buying uh, you know, a thing of Oreo cookies, like, oh, I want that. I'll buy it. Sure. Um, but no, and so that's, that's a value of a broker who can then help you understand value, uh, help you understand what your financing uh, options are as they, as they truly understand the property. So build relationships with brokers, be an asset to them. Fantastic stuff. Matt, listen, if, uh, if our audience wanted to reach out to you, uh, find your website, do a deal with you, or just learn more about you and your business, uh, where can they find you? LinkedIn is what's best there. Just search Matt Bronner, uh, or you can also send me an email, Matt at N as in Nancy, W's in world, S as in Sarah, properties, all spelled out.com. So Matt at nwsproperties.com. There you go. Matt from Northwoods servicing Minneapolis, Twin Cities, and Memphis. Matt, thanks so much for joining us today on Accelerated Investor. Appreciate the opportunity, Josh. Thank you. Hey, Josh here. And do you want to win a free Accelerated Investor t-shirt? All you have to do is give Accelerated Investor, our podcast, Accelerated Investor, a rating and a review on iTunes, okay? Do that now. Then send us a screenshot on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. What we're going to do then is every week we're going to pick our favorite rating and review and we're going to send that person a free t-shirt and maybe, again, some other cool, fun stuff as well from Accelerated Investors. So, Again, don't forget to take a screenshot. Leave a rating, review, take a screenshot, send it to us so we know exactly who you are. And then once a week, every week on the podcast, we will announce a new winner. Don't forget to take a screenshot and send it to us so we know exactly who you are. We'll announce a new winner every week. You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com slash passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, apply for one-on-one -on -one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com.